Welcome to episode number lucky 13 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host, Matt Mueller. Yeah, yeah, what's up, everybody? And once again, stepping in front of the uh, camera for another uh, P. Diddy session here is <laughs> producer Jim Viscardi. Hello. Is 13 a lucky number? Isn't that an unlucky number? You've just you've just kind of destroyed sarcasm. For oh, me. So, well, no. Thank you. Well, uh, if, it, if it doesn't carry over radio, that was sarcasm. It, I'm, the, uh, but I'm Italian. And, and now we know why it's number. unlucky number 13. Yeah, We're already very lucky number. So if you wanted to know why this is unlucky number 13, we're already running it down for you early <laughs> from that intro. Um, let's just do the stunt. Like, like we got a show for ourselves. So, Comic Book Nation, if you guys are still with the journey or if you're just new, you can follow us on new episodes on the site every Wednesday and Friday. Uh, we have an RSS feed where you can subscribe to. You can subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio or iHeartRadio. And if you want to talk to any of us, you can always continue the conversation on social media at the hashtag comic book nation all right in this week's show we got some uh, exciting things up for episode 13 i would say we have a new trailer for disney's aladdin one that gives yeah. us a much more extensive look at will smith's genie uh dc has just debuted a new version of the joker that we're going to talk about we're going to talk about captain marvel's future in the mcu because i mean we did a review episode but i think because i think we've had more time to digest mm -hmm. and there's more time and things that have come out and so we're going to talk about what this character means for the future of the mcu and finally we're going to talk about one of the most highly anticipated horror movies of the year which just had its first big screening and the first reactions are out and that is jordan peele's us so let's get to it because time is only getting shorter <laughs> first up let's talk about the new Joker. Now, it's a big deal. Joker is probably the most iconic comic book villain. I think that's fair to say, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. In terms of mainstream exposure. Yeah. So, like any, it's like Batman. Anytime there's anything new with the Joker, it's going to be a big deal. And this week, we have something new for the Joker in the form of a new animated Joker, which might be small potatoes to some people, but if you're a DC longtime fan, you know how serious, since uh, probably the days of Batman the Animated Series, an animated Joker can be, with Mark Hamill's animated Joker becoming like probably one of the top, if not top, versions of the character that fans love. So now we have a new one, and this one will debut in the adult-oriented Harley Quinn animated series that is coming to DC Universe this fall, and this new version of the Joker will be played by Alan Tudyk of uh, Firefly and currently Doom Patrol fame. He's getting a lot of that DC Universe money. Good for him. Applaud that man. Good for you, man. Applaud that man. And he's also uh, the voice of Iago. He's the man of a million voices. Yeah, yeah he's just been cast as Disney's, uh, in Disney's Aladdin as Iago, so he's this is a good one too, right? Yeah, he's he in Rogue One. Rogue One. He was uh, K2SO. K2SO. Yeah. Like, yeah, so his voice is getting that money as well as, I mean, That's right. aside from him, you. yeah. So we've got to look at Alan Tudyk's Joker in this, and you can see the uh, official first pictures on comicbook.com under our DC section. And basically it was revealed by, um, uh, what's her name? Kaylee Kuko from The Big Bang Theory, mm -hmm. who's going to be voicing this version of Harley Quinn. And it's a version of the Joker that's kind of like, an animated mix of like Cesar Romero's 1960s Joker. I think I referenced Super Friends in the article. Yeah. Because it's this very kind of classic arch bright looking. Purple, yeah, bright, bright green. purple, well, bright green version of the Joker. It's interesting because like of the stuff that we've seen, even in like the, the preview clips and whatnot, 
like this is, a, this is supposed to be a fairly R-rated-ish kind of cartoon. Yeah. But it's got a very Super Friends-ish kind of look to it. Yeah. And, and I so think I that's, kind yeah. of like, I, I like that clash. That's kind like, of the humor of it, right? It's yeah. It's going to be like a, a very R-rated twist on a Super Friends. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you would expect on like Adult Swim or whatnot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited. And I mean, she sold me on that. I wasn't sold on... The casting when I first heard it, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we'll see. Because a lot of people have voiced Harley Quinn now, so we've got to see a lot of different versions. I wasn't initially sold. And then we saw that first real teaser clip, yeah. and I was like, okay, she's got this. So if, you know, I, I can kind of in my own head piece together what Tudix is going to sort of sound like. Uh, he's also gone into descriptions about what it's going to sound yeah, like. Yeah, I'm excited. Up. Yeah. yeah, I was pulling that up. Alan Tudyk basically was asked, of course, like, are you going to be better than Mark Hamill? Or somebody actually, Tony Hale, who voiced the Joker, oh, yeah. a Veep star Tony Hale, saw him, I guess, when they were passing, and he learned he was going to be playing the Joker, and Tony Hale had voiced the Joker before and told him, like, yeah, you're going to suck if you're not Mark Hamill. They're going to eat you alive. And Alan, poor Alan Tudyk was like, what? <laughs> and so he's gone into it. But he did describe the difference between him and Hamill's Joker is basically going to be, I mean, he uses the word cuss, which I really hate. I hate the word cuss. Uh, if we could like, just make an aside, just as a word. Oh, okay. Like, say curse. Like, just say curse. <laughs> so that's the issue? Yeah. No, <laughs> like how it sounds. Yeah. Like, like my wife can't stand the word button for some weird reason, but it has nothing to do with what it means. No, it's just I the mean, fact that it sounds like Yeah, I'm just saying curse. I mean, curse fits because... I mean, like, it's no footage. It's a word, yeah. But, I mean, no. <laughs> no, whatever. I mean, it makes less sense than footage. <laughs> Much less You sense. do you, boo-boo. Yeah, I will. I'm going to keep doing it until somebody tells me how many feet of film somebody dragged along with them to a a convention. Yeah, we're going to keep trying to update terms. But anyway, so the main difference Alan Tudyk said with his Joker is that he can, of course, play in the rated R section Mm -hmm. of this, Mm -hmm. which I was just careful because DC fans will probably eat me alive. Aside from like what Hamill in uh, the Killing Joke animated movie, there's not really been an R-rated Joker yeah, that we've yeah. gotten to see. So this is fresh ground that he's going to be breaking. Absolutely, so, yeah, cool. I'm down with it. I, I love kinda, that. I kind of wonder if like Hamill somewhere like sees this and is like insanely jealous of what Tudyk gets to do because. You know, if, if Hamill strikes me as the kind of person who would love to go completely unhinged Joker. See that. And, you know, he just has to, I guess, wait for his next opportunity, I guess. It'll come. I mean, I figure Mark <laughs> Hamill is probably half crazy and just sits around talking like the Joker anyway yeah. these days. I mean, so. his Joker is phenomenal. Yeah, I know. It's really great. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so I'm sure he feels some kind of way about it. But I, for one, am interested to see our first really kind of – R-rated Joker, who's also kind of still kind of cartoony and zany. Mm-hmm. And Alan Tudyk, I love, so I'm not hating on this, even though Joker voices can be very controversial. Mm-hmm. So we'll wait and see. You guys can let us know what you think. You can comment on the article on the site or hashtag comic book nation. We're going to move on to talk about some horror. Horror. But, uh, horror. Yeah. Horror movies, now big part of the business, now big part of the culture. Um, in the last few years. Those and cushy margins. Oh, yeah, those cushy margins. <laughs> hey, man, I really need to get back to 20 million, rating. 10 million. And I was a good horror novelist. In my young years, I was an aspiring horror novelist. I got to get out of here and get back to that. But uh, <laughs> maybe this isn't the venue to have that conversation while we're uh, on the mic. Show. Yeah, COVID. But, having a midlife crisis yeah, in the middle seriously, of the podcast. Seriously, having a meltdown right now on the mic. Um, but seriously, uh, Jordan Peele jumped out with Get Out when that movie came out mm-hmm. and kind of he 
left all that Key and Peele stuff, which I still think is the funniest. I feel like Key got out of that thinking, like, I'm going to be the man. <laughs> like, I'm going to be the star. <laughs> Jordan Peele's like, I got an Oscar. I'm the king of horror. Twilight Zone, bro. I'm like, yeah, I mean, so it's funny. But uh, we've all been waiting because, of course, with filmmaking, you know, there's the whole infamous sophomore slump. And can you be anything more than a one-hit wonder? Was Get Out a fluke? Or is Jordan Peele really, like, the man when it comes to horror directing? So Us has been very, I mean, it's probably one of the more highly anticipated movies of the year. Just had its first screening at South by Southwest, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the first reaction hit, first reactions have hit. And so far, Us has a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes, give or take that how you will, will, because, I mean, obviously we haven't weighed in yet, but, like, uh, those other people have weighed in, and Mm -hmm. people are saying... That is great. And to just give you a little of this fart, 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 fart consensus that we've put together <laughs> here at comicbook.com, um, what people are saying is basically <laughs> us is it's much bigger in scope than what the trailers maybe let on. Mm-hmm. That it's not just this contained story about this family, but that it, it does a good job of kind of ramping up from this very scary home invasion story to this much larger kind of thing. It's funny, but yet very disturbingly creepy and i think almost every review said it is non-stop like balls to the wall intense from start to finish here's here's what when it has me excited for this movie is with with jordan peele the fact that like he's been able to kind of carve out this like comedy horror niche and, and I, I say i say comedy in the sense that like there were some very very funny parts in um in the get out and uh, and hearing that there are funny parts in this feel like this is a, a cool little corner of, you know, horrordom that, that he can take. But the the weird thing about it all is like, people are like, Oh, he's the new Spielberg. And I'm like, I saw that too. And, and I'm just like, like I would much rather like a comparison to a John Carpenter or, or whatnot for, for this type of stuff. I think, than I think I thought that was weird too, but I think what people mean by it is like, Spielberg is a great filmmaker, film, filmmaker, oh <laughs> filmmaker, 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 but uh, in reality, like, I mean, Steven Spielberg is known for being a very kind of myopic storyteller. Sure. Like he tells one story, which is about his parents' divorce over and over and over again. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, not, I've never really heard it put that way. <laughs> I'm serious. Go look at every Steven Spielberg movie. And that's essentially the story. A family was broken up somehow. It must be kind of reconciled somehow. Totally changes the way I look at Jurassic Park. And it's like Jurassic Park, (laughs) um, Minority Report, Close Encounters. Like, just go down the list. It's always the same. So, like, and that's, I mean, that's true of any great artist. I mean, you do enough literary studies and stuff. You realize people only have, like, two stories inside them that they just Mm -hmm. mutate and throw around in different places. And I think what people are saying is Jordan Peele is this kind of comedic but really kind of insightfully horror-minded mm-hmm. social commentator mm-hmm. because there's also these kind of social commentary subtexts yep. to Get Out. I mean, obviously with Get Out, but now with us. And we don't know more about that because we haven't heard more about the movie, but apparently it's this movie kind of solidifies it that this is part of his niche. Mm-hmm. And so he is going to be Spielberg in the sense of telling this thematic, this kind of one thematic tale about social examination using... This, like you said, this weird blend of comedy and horror, which I saw on Key and Peele, which I say is still one of my favorite skits in that show, which I kind of knew 
he would probably be a really good filmmaker was this one is like an 80s dance video where they're both Key and Peele are dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like slowly Key's character <laughs> begins to realize like he's getting these reports from the producers oh. that are like your family's dead, like they've been murdered, like this horrible stuff. <laughs> and they're like, but keep dancing. And he has to keep dancing because they're live filming this workout video. Oh and God, slowly okay. over the course of the video, um, you begin to re like it gets revealed that the person who did this is his dance partner is Jordan Peele. <laughs> and like it's this slow thing where Jordan Peele is playing like this really eccentric guy who's like so into the dancing. But over the course of the skit, when he when Key begins to learn more and more about it, like it just slowly morphs into him being like this total psycho <laughs> who's just been like who killed his partner's family. And oh my god! <laughs> while never breaking the dance in this dance video, and like yeah, you should watch it if you've never seen it. I've you can see like that. where the DNA of his kind of horror movie roots kind of comes out of this skit. So I'm really thrilled about that. I get to go see uh, us next week. Nice. We'll be back next week with our official comic book review, video review, written review, and of course on the podcast here. So we look forward to sharing that with you guys when we have it so we can uh, tell you whether these Rotten Tomatoes people are full of it or not and if we know better. But yeah. And we do. We do. That's fine. Yeah. It's not really an if. All right. Well, that will do it for oh, – well, I didn't throw it to you guys. You guys excited about us? Matt, you're not a – are you a horror movie guy? I'm not a huge horror movie dude, uh, but what I will say is that Us actually has my attention. I'll probably go see this in the theater. Uh, I'm going to have to find someone to see it with because Anissa will not <laughs> go see wife. a horror movie yeah. in, the, in the theater. Uh, but, like, this one looks – I've kind of made a – you know, I pick and choose my horror movies. They have to kind of be a little different or just completely nail. Mm. You know, something like The Conjuring is a rare one that I went to go into the theater to see. I, I don't see in that in that franchise. Uh, same way with Get Out. Like, yeah. I'll go see certain ones. And this one has my attention because it's something different that just those trailers. Oh, we also should. Yeah. We I should mean, add that Lupita. There's only oh people God. saying Lupita Nyong'o needs a horror movie Oscar nom for mm. this. Just from the trailer, you can see, oh, like, yeah. just. You just get those hints of like, man, like I feel like you're going to come out of this a lot. Like people came out of Split, whether you liked Split or not, mm -hmm. you came out going, James McAvoy can like acted yeah. his butt off, right? Yeah. And I feel like you're going to see this with Lupita. Like it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. They're going to come out, whether they liked it or not, you're going to go, she's a boss. Yeah, yeah. I want to see her get a horror movie Oscar nom. I'm, I'm calling that right now. Put me down. Oh, oh I, I want to oh, oh. yeah, timestamp it. I don't know if it will happen, but I do want to see it happen. You know what? I'm going to go in. I think it will happen. Yeah, Ooh. there it is. I'm going in. Timestamp yeah. it. Timestamp oh. it. Oh, I can't wait to replay this down. clip next Mark year. Mark it down in the fandom. <laughs> All right, but uh, we're going to move on because up next we are going to talk about Disney's new Aladdin trailer, and we are going to play some Monday morning quarterback with Captain Marvel and her future in the MCU. Ba -da -da. All right. Well, Matt, it is your time to shine. Oh, is Matt it? is one of our. <laughs> is it really? You are one of our top ambassadors of all things Disney without being on a cruise line for it. But, uh, <laughs> Every time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, new Aladdin trailers oh, out. God. And there's been a lot of questions surrounding this movie because, I mean, people, let's just put it's it out the there. Genie. The genie. Yeah. The genie's been a problem. <laughs> Will Smith was cast as a genie. Problem right from the start for a lot of the internet. But then we saw some of the first images. But that was going to be an insurmountable problem no matter oh, yeah. who Robin they Williams put in that Robin Williams is gone. Like, yeah, it was going to be a major problem. But, you know, it's a unique thing because it's a Will Smith problem, you know? Right. It's one of those things, like, where people... Like, like Will, Will Smith, Smith is kind of transcended... Will Smith to me is like Tom Cruise in the sense that anytime I see him in a movie, I only see Will Smith yeah, or Tom exactly. Cruise. I don't see the characters that they're playing. And it's like, but like it's a Tom shtick, Cruise right? has done enough 
I Mission agree. Impossible movies that Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt are, are the, the same, same person. person. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And But it's like Will Smith is a shtick, and people either love his kind of shtick or they don't. Yeah. It's kind of a Seth Rogen effect, right? Like, yes. Except making more money, I would say. <laughs> oh, way more money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so people had a problem with Genie, and then the first actual trailers or TV spots came out, <laughs> and... People still had a problem. But this trailer seems to have reversed that trend, right? This, like, this feels like, so the, the Grammy spot happened. Everyone lost their mind because of, you know, of the very limited shots that we got of Will Smith as the genie. And it felt like someone at Disney was like, we need to speed up finishing those songs faster because we got to get something out there that is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that and is like that. the biggest thing before that had been people were – not upset, but people were very much clamoring to see him in the blue genie form. Yeah, because they were like the photos that came out right, were just were him. just him, right? Yeah. And as we see in the trailer, those are like legit. It's not like they weren't touched up. Mm-hmm. People he saw a black guy. He transformed like hashtag not my genie. But then people <laughs> saw it, and I don't understand part of this trend. I don't understand when people freak out about CG. Early, like when even up until like the last few weeks before that film yeah, you goes you out, learned CG gets worked on. Marvel trailers do it all the time. No, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like oh, Justice yeah. League. Go look at the first uh, San Diego Comic Con Justice too painful. League. There's too much Snyder. And then go look at the one that came out. And then just in the trailers, you see Cyborg alone looks completely different. Or the right? various color skyscapes, uh, skyscapes. Yeah, of, right. Uh, of Apocalypse. But like or whatnot. Iron Man armor. Go yeah. take a look at Iron Man armor in almost every trailer, and then go look oh, at yeah, the that's final like a one. Trend in yeah. Marvel trailers. So why now. are we freaking out that we knew they were going to one? They didn't release it in the first place because they were. They even said it wasn't done yet. It's because it's because, <laughs> it's because of nostalgia, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is this is one that clearly uh, hits home for or, you know for a lot of people, and so a lot like they don't want to see they don't want to see too much change they they're precious over the nostalgic memory and so anything that is either different or looks a little bit off their immediately their immediate gut reaction is oh it's going to suck i mean also you're also underestimating like the far reaches of ignorance in the in the internet in terms of yes. people don't understand things like we are film nerds we understand this process yeah. and have done it a million times there are a lot of people who still look up movie times in the newspaper. You know what I mean? It's true. Like, My mom does. Yeah. yeah. It's like some people's probably still call a movie phone to hear that comforting <laughs> voice. Like, yeah. you don't, like, people don't know. So they don't actually grasp. Some people just probably saw it and were like, Half of them were like, oh, my God, what did they do to the genie? And the other half were probably like, oh, my God, what did they do to Will Smith? And they were like. Yeah, but, I mean, this trailer, too, has gotten its share of. I mean, I've seen someone take issue with the fact that there's too much parkour. (laughs) That Aladdin is doing too much parkour. I'm like, really? Have you ever played the Super Nintendo Aladdin game? For real. It's all parkour. But I'm just like, you're looking. You're actively looking. But overall, I agree with Jim because Jim kind of mentioned this before the show. And... It needed it a needed song. The music. It needed a iconic friend like me, uh, you know, whole new world. It needed one of those songs to, to yeah, show people right. we embrace, especially with Guy Ritchie mm-hmm. at because the up, helm. Because up to this point, all we got were, were just hints at the score that play, that paid homage to the the songs we knew, but not the actual songs. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you bring that up, especially with the parkour thing. Like how. 
if this is a Guy Ritchie movie, like a, like if there is someone who's going to do like those that parkour stuff. shots, yeah. it's going to be Guy Ritchie. Yeah, and yeah. some dude and, like, gonna be jumping over things, escaping cops in a city landscape. <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much what Guy Ritchie does. But, but like, but that's that's part of the that's part of the the uh, equation of what actually has me really excited for this movie. I'm a huge Guy Ritchie fan. Um, you know, seeing the the action ish bits. Um, in this film with sort of that Guy Ritchie filter mm-hmm. uh, that that he puts on all of his movies. I'm totally in. And I was telling you this before, but like, you know, I was in on the trailer and then when, you know, Whole New World kicked in, I was like, boom, sold. I'm in. I'll buy, I'll yeah. see it three times. That was, that was my wife who was like, Jasmine is her favorite character and all that, right? As soon as that carpet comes up and you see them get on the carpet and then the song kicks in i literally got a text that was just like i'm losing my mind right <laughs> if disney can continue that mm-hmm. and capture that they'll have a i mean personally i'm not a producer or filmmaker i just yell about them but like yeah my first teaser trailer would have been like the whole way they did it just entering like approaching mm-hmm. the cityscape with like the voiceover and then just had the carpet fly right up at the yeah. screen and just kind and of we got like to see Iago. Of the song. Mm-hmm. We've seen Raja. Like, like yeah. they're finally starting to roll those iconic things out. I am really curious to see if I mean it could be one of two things. One, if Jafar turns into a genie. I thought and in what this trailer that's we saw like. a flash of him. I thought red. I thought that too. But like, are they gonna show that in a trailer? I would uh, the way Disney is lately, I would say no, right? I oh, I think, think they, they I think it. I think they will. Okay. Interesting. What do you think, Kofi? Are they gonna show us Red Jafar? Um, I'm just trying to weigh how much of like a big surprise or not that is, because I right. think you could use it in marketing. Yeah. More genies. Oh, absolutely people. you could use it in marketing. Yeah. But I just I would almost hope that they don't. Or just hint at it. Well, you, and for then people don't. who don't, kids who don't know the story, you can fool them because like there is the split second where he is all powerful and and yeah. before the bracelets get slapped on. Yeah. There's a shot you can show that I could see makes that. it look menacing, like a third act boss before. But I swore when I saw and it, it would be funny. I thought it'd be this like was that. Indiana. I thought you yeah. see a just a glimpse where mm. he's standing on that edge and he looks red. So, but it might just be. You know, yeah, it'd be a funny Indiana Jones type moment. Like, yeah, I'm all powerful. Bracelet, bracelet, oh, and sucked it to the limb. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking, of, you did a very nice Iago there. That sounded kind of sounded like Iago, but uh, oh. Tudyk's going to be Gilbert Iago as well. Godfrey is in my brain from being raised in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean that shrill voice. <laughs> Well to my done. Do you think they didn't go for Gilbert Gottfried because he's too much of a potential like PR nightmare? Yes, because otherwise, why wouldn't you? Right? Why give him the money? Like, but like if he, somebody else, but like money. if he wasn't, you would, right? Because yeah. you would just. Well, so he doesn't have the same. I mean, I don't think he'd have the same fan draw right now as saying like, "Hey, K two S O is going to be Iago." Like, I do love Gottfried's. Yeah, I mean, I do. Iago I voice. do too. But like again, that's like an eighties, nineties kid know. thing. Yeah. Like, People today would be like, who? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That yeah. Hollywood Squares guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Affleck duck, man. So that's a weird way to end our Aladdin <laughs> talk he does that. on Gilbert Godfrey, but uh, here we are. <laughs> here we are. All right. We're going to move right along. Let us know what you guys are thinking. Are you still, are you feeling better about Aladdin or are you guys still freaked out by this and Will Smith's genie? Uh, let us know. Hashtag comic book nation. Or you can see the trailer on the site. As uh, one of our featured articles right now, uh, it's going to be right okay. On. Will Smith is going to be just fine. I He's think it's going to be I fine am number too. one. I am probably one of the biggest Robin Williams fans that, that I know, and it's okay. Just let it go. Between this and Bright Two, Will's future is looking all right. Yep. 
I thought when they re- when they cast this, I went, you need to go as far away from Robin Williams mm-hmm. as possible. And when they did when they cast Will Smith, I went, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. He's not going to be remotely like Robin Williams. I'm mm-hmm. fine with it. Because you can't. You can't replace that magic. Someone tried to do it in animated form in the second movie, and it <laughs> done it, and they brought him back. <laughs> like, you can't do it. Yeah, that's true. I remember the, yeah. what was that, Return of Jafar? Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't do it. God. Yeah, all right. Moving right along to Disney's other side, uh, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As I said, um, we talked about Captain Marvel in our last show. We're not going to beat this horse to death too much, but I felt like kind of just watching the discussion continue after our show, there's a lot more that came up, a lot Mm -hmm. more we'll be discussing. Uh, This ties into an article I'm writing right now, and we'll finish when I get out of here. And it kind of deals with Captain Marvel's future in the MCU and a lot of the questions the film raises that I thought would be fun to kind of for us to discuss and kind of unpack a little further. Uh, Obviously, this will be a full spoilers discussion of Captain Marvel, which is why it's at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. So if you have not seen Captain Marvel yet, well, we gave you all our ways to subscribe and contact us at the beginning of the show. So you can kind of sign off now and come back once you've seen the film and kind of go through this and see how what we're talking about matches up to your impressions. But if you've already seen Captain Marvel, then uh, yeah, let's get into it and ride with us. This is your last warning. We are going to be discussing full spoilers for Captain Marvel and beyond. And, you know, because we are brilliant theorists, we might even stumble on some things for like Avengers Endgame and Mm -hmm. other stuff like that. So you've been warned. Spoiler alert. Here we go. All right. So Captain Marvel spoilers. Let's just start at some of the questions that have kind of come out of this movie. Um, The first thing we're going to start that I have in the bullet points here is the question, of course, that a lot of Marvel fans have been screaming. What does this movie mean for the immediate future, which is Avengers Endgame, because this is the lead-in film to Endgame, mm-hmm. and it has a mid credit scene that directly is set in Endgame mm-hmm. when and kind of reveals a big moment, which is when... Directed by the Russos. Oh, uh, was it directed by the Russos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that's happened in this Captain Marvel fallout I'm still catching up on. <laughs> um, but it reveals the moment that Carol officially meets the surviving Avengers, and there's a lot to kind of unpack there, but in terms of... The larger story, like, what does Captain Marvel mean for Avengers Endgame? It means the Avengers have someone on their team who potentially could go toe-to-toe with Thanos. Yeah, that's a big thing. Somebody who can fight Thanos. But I think what was more interesting and what we discussed and kind of was interesting to us was how this movie introduced the Tesseract Mm -hmm. as part of its story. (coughs) Excuse me. And I did a whole breakdown on the site about Carol's possible connection to the Tesseract because one of the interesting things that, I mean, her powers are not really fully explained in this movie, even though Mm -mm. the moment she gets them is the biggest mystery of the story. Mm -hmm. So I have one, I have one question though, before the power core that was in the ship, was that not the Tesseract? No, no. It was powered up. She used it like the what I gathered, and and this is just my interpretation. I think it's correct, but I Marvel theorists don't kill me out there. Is that she used it in the same exact way that the Red Skull had during World War Two? Yeah, okay. To power up other objects, like Carol used it to power up that like uh, the bomber and the other Mm -hmm. guns and weapons. Like she did the same thing. So Carol is essentially infused with the power of the Tesseract, but not the thing that stood out to me. And I've been writing about that scene of the explosion since it first appeared in trailers because I've been dissecting the 
crap out of that. And there's a very purposeful color scheme to that, mm-hmm. to what happens. Right. She gets infused with two th- forms of energy. It's an orange energy that and kind of blood. burns into her skin, which is uh, Marvell's photon powers that are kind of alluded to because Jan Rog says, you know, he, you have absorbed her power. Mm-hmm. And the other one is this massive blue wave from the warp drive or the light speed drive that exploded. That's this blue energy that kind of washes over her and kind of gets infused into her eyes. Which we now, if you're trying to connect dots, seems like it's the energy of the Tesseract, mm-hmm. which could be a big deal for Endgame. Because if Carol has a connection to the Space Stone, we've kind of landed on the fact that she'll either be have an advantage to manipulate it and can possibly take like the Avengers to the Garden Planet instantly or something like that, mm-hmm. or and, and can maybe Ooh. mess with the Infinity Gauntlet, oh. or Thanos <laughs> will be able to mess with her powers. And kind of, so it might be a a, disadvantage. It might be a disadvantage. What if Captain Marvel powers the barf technology? I mean, that would be wow for them to go for them to go through, like actually make it a time device as opposed to just seeing scenarios, right? Because that because the barf technology is seeing Same. like recreating a scenario yeah. yep but if she's able to power that then they would actually go to through them to like it kind of it it doesn't make sense a little bit in the sense that it the that stone doesn't let do, you jump through time yeah it doesn't really do that but theoretically the technology could handle that part and they just need the power to do so and they use Captain Marvel as a battery i think see Ooh. now now you've landed on a theory that i've been writing since the beginning like since early on since after Ant-Man and the Wasp, which mm. is that Quantum we world. know these two characters have been teased to factor heavily into mm. Endgame. And that's always been my theory. Carol's going to be the battery, or Carol's going to be, or Ant-Man is the doorway and Carol is the key. Mm. Ant-Man knows the way to do this through the quantum realm, mm-hmm. but you're going to need some kind of power source and she will be the power source, kind mm-hmm. of like yeah. the Tesseract is. Right, because that's been the biggest, that was the biggest thing in Ant-Man and the Wasp was having enough power and energy to power to run to run that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And if you've got just Carol just put her hand on it and boom it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good theory. Mm-hmm. It's a good theory. So there you go. Nice. Carol will be the battery that powers gonna make, the wave. Gonna, gonna make a note of that quantum we should, uh, realm <laughs> that one up yeah, tomorrow. to kind of get back <laughs> and stop Thanos. All right. Somebody volunteer. Jim volunteer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> the other big question is Captain Marvel sequels. Now We've been talking about, I mean, this door opens, I mean, you'd think they would just go into the 90s and just do a simple thing that could easily sync up, but no, not Marvel Studios. They're like, we're always ABF, always be franchising. Like, they were like, we're going in here and we're going to set up maybe all sorts of 90s spinoffs we can do, right? So, like, now we have a whole big hole in between the 90s and basically the start of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014 on the Marvel Cosmic side to figure out things like what happened with the scrolls, what happened to make the Kree Empire fall, what the hell was Marvel's story and what was she doing on Earth and do we need to see more of that? Mm-hmm. And like these are all kinds of questions that dictate that kind of come back to does the next Captain Marvel movie need to be set in the 90s still or does it need to be set in present day or is there a way to kind of godfather to this whole thing and Well, you said that last week and I and I actually really like that idea in that like you do a godfather 2 kind of story that you know, and if you're not clear, we mean Godfather Two basically tells the story of Vito Corleone when he's a young man, but it's it's parallel to what's happening to his son Michael mm-hmm. in in real time. Mm-hmm. Yep, that where you can where I, I think it's would 
be the perfect bridge that theoretically Captain Marvel 3 won't be Godfather 3, but uh, which is a movie I in like, the, by the way. The, uh, moving further along. Right, moving further right. along. Yeah. Because Godfather 3 basically takes then the story of Michael and continues it and leaves the veto stuff yeah. kind of behind. Um, I think it kind of almost has to, and the way I keep coming back to Godfather 2 is I think you have to have her dealing with things like in the present day that makes, and because this is already a part of the thematic fabric of Captain Marvel, the whole idea of memories and, and going back and forth between memories and real in present day, I don't think you should dump that. And you could have a thing where she's dealing with something in the present that maybe deals with either the Kree or the scroll or the scrolls after Endgame and what's happening. You know, now this very changed earth and, and MCU mm -hmm. kind of dynamic. And it relates back to her memories of things that actually happened after when she was trying to settle down with the scrolls or find a home world or whatever happened next. Mm -hmm. Now, I do love the idea. Like, here's the thing. If you do it, because I'm torn. There's parts of me that want a move to the present because I there's a, adventures and things I would like to see that make it really hard to do in a prequel setting. However, there's enough promise in the prequel. And if you do that, then you do kind of open up because she's going into space and helping the scrolls find a new home. You open the opportunity for them to essentially backdoor a bunch of other characters and concepts mm -hmm. that as this Disney deal and Fox starts to become like a reality as not in like so really the deal. you want to see the Star Jammers. I want to see, you know, <laughs> Star Jammers. I want to see Nova and Nova not the Nova Corps that you see in Guardians. But like, in the past, you'd probably have to tell the story of how she helped yes, Sandar and bring it down. Right. I want to see some that, of that stuff. I want to see John T. some hints and annihilation. Yeah. Like there's things you can do. Negative zone. You can do a lot of stuff in the cosmos. Yeah. And keep it from hurting all your mm. your continuity on Earth. Yeah. And and introduce those things so that way, like they did the scrolls, right? Mm -hmm. That you, way in Will and the Ravagers, phase like whatever, so you bring all those back, right? And you start to slowly dole those out. I mean, she even has so many links to the X-Men. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can slowly start to introduce those things. So I kind of like... I'm torn. I, I go back and forth like every day because I'm like, oh, I want one in the past. And then I'm like, no, I want one in the present because I want have Alpha both. Flight. Godfather 2, bro. You can have both. <laughs> I mean, there's just a, that's going to be very well, ambitious the, to pull off. But the only, the only problem I have with the, you know, that Godfather 2 approach is how much of Carol backstory do we need still? Like they told a lot. They did. This. Well, it's not the back, it's not the backstory. That's this would true. be. It's almost like a case. It would be almost like a detective story where this case, like you're like a detective story where you're hunting a serial killer that relates back to your hunt, mm -hmm. like a true detective type deal. Yeah. Like over yeah. the course of yep. years. And so it's the same thing. She's dealing with the same problem, but a problem rooted in something that happened mm -hmm. when she went off and kind of messed around in the cosmic order and with the different, you know, races and things. Uh, trying to fix things and probably things got worse or complicated or something mm -hmm. like that. It'd be that. great if they used this to introduce the brood. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a crazy world, you can probably tell the crease, like a, a real crease girl war while also planting seeds for secret invasion. Yeah. And in then the that's same, what I'm thinking the, the second movie. film would have to do would be detailing the actual crease girl war and how things got ugly again while setting the stage for secret invasion. But that leads to our next question and probably <laughs> our final one. Um, it was brought up by Jamie and uh, one of our writers, Jamie Lovett, in a comment that on one of the Captain Marvel articles is, 
can you still do Secret Invasion, the traditional Secret Invasion, at this point? And here's why the question was raised. And I'm also going to write about this. Basically, this movie kind of flips around and, and does this whole, I mean, it's, people have pointed out that's problematic, but it uses the military and then kind of infuses this thing about these kind of refugees that are looking for a home and trying to, and getting persecuted and are trying to just kind of escape persecution and, and execution and stuff like that, which is obviously has very strong socio-political ties to our current mm-hmm. society. Wow. Yeah. The mic does not that like creepy. that. <laughs> the mic, a mic just raised. It was Ooh. like, I don't care for this. Um, take your political affiliations everywhere, <laughs> elsewhere. Microphone. This is a show. Um, but basically, yeah. So to do secret invasion now would be to essentially say, "Hey, we helped out these refugees." Uh-huh. And the end result is they snuck into our borders and are trying to now take over our country. Which I think you could see in a world where people are spitting Black Panther into a Breitbart hero mm. and kind of bombing Captain Marvel because of its social justice uh, implications or connections. That's pretty, pretty live grenade to throw out into the room. Well, I don't think they mainstream. should be afraid of that. Well, but I think, but I, here's, <laughs> here's kind of, and it's funny because I was talking to my wife about this last night. I think there's a way you can map it out, right? Where... You, Carol is off trying to help the, you know, the Skrulls find a home world. Let's presume, presumably say they do. They're, you know, they, they're civilizations that begin to, to grow and prosper and whatnot. But there are still some old school, you know, Skrull folk who are still angry at the Kree, inevitably want to potentially, you know, get back at them. The Kree are presumably probably still hunting out the, the, the Skrulls because they get, they get mad. And I would say that a Kree-Skrull war happens and Carol is not around to help the scrolls in the way that she helped the scrolls escape Cree persecution the first time. And if we're going with the theory that Talos's daughter could be a, you know, Varanki yeah. and whatnot, that Varanki can would yeah, potentially hold it against people don't know. Right. Varanki, the theory is that Talos's daughter is actually going to turn out to be the scroll, the scroll. fanatical princess who right. leads secret invasion right. against Earth, and so you, so it's, so I think that like because Carol was not able to help the scrolls, Branky may hold you know a, a bit of bitterness in that, and then so then the scrolls have to go find a place to go live again, and they're like, well, we can probably live on Earth, and people will leave us alone, and begin to just you know plant those seeds of. See, if that's the I, – I agree. I feel like there is a way to handle this and, and tweak it to where it's not this Can hot you, button. I also don't hate that it's a hot button either. Well, like, after Endgame, there's also a way – I mean, I'm just thinking of this on the fly. But after, like, Endgame, there's actually a good way to spin Secret Invasion into – in the comic books, it was an actual nefarious invasion. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's basically to make, like, a new spin shield to something like ice – Mm. intergalactic ice and secret invasion is just it's a fake crisis essentially right. yeah. like yeah and that it's obviously oh, dude, a great would, spin iron man on. three it that's yeah. like well, mandarin <laughs> yeah but like, and that's the whole thing yeah there are scrolls Oof. but they're not actually dangerous but once it's discovered that they're hiding out on earth as a refuge somebody's gonna now you realize that's, now that's a great also norman, be a hot button oh of course yeah but if it's like <laughs> that's it i would 
I would pay to see them introduce Norman Osborn and like hammer according to mm. that kind of storyline. Hey, you do love your dark. Scene. I'd love Dark Rain, and that's a good <laughs> it's way. A and, scene, it's, yeah. and it's a great way to make Norman Osborn uh-huh. into. Hey, hey. Not just Norman Osborn anymore. Not right. granted, you can't have but Norman. Kind of have him summer. echo some real life yeah, figures and and have people kind of respond but and per- change it up. Well, but that, perhaps they can make a deal. Let me say it, and I presumably this will be addressed in Endgame, but we don't know how the rest of the galaxy is affected by this by the the snap, the decimation. Yeah, right. Like, did half of the Kree disappear? And maybe that's what led to the Kree crumbling. Are the crawl? Are the are the scrolls all gone? Like, there's all of these other races and whatnot out there that like, are they all going to come back when you know we hit the reset button? Um, but like, how to how does that all kind of factor in? It sets a really weird. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest question. Like, if there's a memory of the decimation mm-hmm. that changes everything for Earth, like yeah. Earth is going to now be this huge target on its back. It's like, going to be the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like, you you know, you assholes, like, nearly wiped out the universe. <laughs> like, that's a problem, like, yeah. you know, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there is no memory of it, then things are then just changed. Just, yeah. Then these conflicts you, can play out in all kinds of new ways. So do you hope there is a memory? Or I you? hope there is a memory. Okay. Yeah. Like, so, I think it's a much more messed up story to have people go on. I agree. And and maybe it's like one of those Marvel things, like we're only psychic sensitive, or some kind of people remember. Mm. Yeah. While other people think like you're star craving crazy, like. Mm. But there's that'd be great, like a scene where there's a guy on the street who's like the crazy guy in the street, raving like we all died. Everyone's like what? Like yeah. And a few Marvel people are like oh, mm. but like yeah. So I think that's I want the memory to be there, and I want Agreed. scars of it to kind of be there, and to know like yeah, we made it back, but we never healed it fully, and like yeah. we can't ever do that. Well, that's what I think that's one of the, the the best things, you know, with a movie like Captain Marvel is it it felt like we got to a point where with all of the movies leading into Endgame, everything was starting to just button up a little too neatly for me. Yeah. Where now here's here is a movie that just blows the doors open on possibility with questions and things that may or may not happen in a sense that like is what makes something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe so exciting like w- w- the all the different directions that they can go in now things that they can address even in little bits in other movies and things like that like you know we didn't get that with any of the other recent Marvel movies cuz it's all been so focused towards yeah. towards Endgame and so that's what has me excited for more Captain Marvel and, and more MCU for sure all right yeah. well that'll take us to the end there and plus some but uh if you guys have any more questions or things you want to talk about with us about Captain Marvel or any theories you want to share with us, hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. Again, if you want to find new episodes, we post them every Wednesday and Friday on the site where you can find links to our RSS feed and to our Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio subscriptions. You can also follow us online at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or individually contact us. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Uh, you can find me at Matt Mueller CB. Jim Viscardi. And I say, uh, if you guys are leaving us reviews out there, we appreciate it. We see them. We read them. And if you're doing it on Twitter, 
that's great. We respond to you. We yeah. appreciate the love. Uh, if you're doing it on any of the sites like iTunes, we are, I promise you, probably at the end of this week. Uh, <laughs> we had to talk about we'll a read today. Some. We're going to gather up a bunch. We're going to go through and read some and give you guys some shine for taking the time and some T-shirts, of course. We're not going to renege on our bet on our little uh, claim there. We'll be sending you guys some T-shirts. So keep those positive reviews coming. And we thank you guys for all the support. This is Comic Book Nation, and we'll see you next time. Deuces. See you.